1986, there were two movies that created contrasting worldviews about how to live. One was a young naval aviator, callsign Maverick, and he said, what did he say? I feel the need, the need for speed. He said, he said, I feel the need, the need for speed. And, and that's, a, that's a way of thinking about life. I just want to go faster. I just want to do more. But there was a contrasting worldview brought about by a modern-day philosopher named Ferris Bueller. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> and he said, you got to stop and look around. Oh, see, here's what he said. He said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you could miss it. These two worldviews are currently at odds in our current culture. We struggle. There's so much tension here, and that's why we're speaking about this series called Unhurried, Slowing Down and Finding Life. It's why we started the year with 21 days of prayer to see if we could change our schedules, try to slow down, prioritize what matters most, being with Jesus, praying, sharing together in community. Now this next week, this is your, this is your last chance. It's not your last chance. You'll be able to pray again, I promise. But listen, for, to participate in 21 days of prayer, I want you, I want every person in this room to go to at least two prayer meetings. That's what I thought you'd say. Two prayer meetings, I can't go to two prayer meetings. (laughs) You can do whatever you decide to do. You can. You do it every week. You go watch a movie, you Netflix binge, you do do whatever you want to do. Spend time this week going to the houses. I want everybody to get this out, get this out. Get Get this little handout out. Okay, hold it up, hold it up. It tells you where the prayer meetings are. It tells you where the prayer meetings are. Here's what I'm convinced of. Here's what I'm convinced of. If we want, if we want the Holy Spirit to be activated in our lives more like we saw this morning, we gotta do more of this. Sit in a, sit in a living room, encourage one another, pray together. Pray and let God speak to us about who he is and what we're supposed to do. So I think we got to do more of that. Listen, I'm convinced every person at one chapel, in, in 2022, every person at one chapel must be in a group. If you don't have a small group of people that know you, every person who follows Jesus has to have a group of people where they are truly known and fully loved. I like to say truly known and fully loved anyway. Because once people really know you, that's where all the power is. That's where all the power is. So listen, you cannot be a Christian and do it alone. Christianity was not designed to be an individualized, isolated, spiritual experience. It's communal. And I want you to embrace that. And this next week, we're gonna, we're gonna experiment with meeting in our homes and praying. And so let's do that. This series is based on a phrase by Dallas Willard. 
And I love this phrase. He said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Come on, let's read it again. I want you to say it out loud with me. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Oh, that, every time I read it, it just smacks me in the face. Like, oh, how do I do this? I believe it. I think it's probably true. I don't know how to do it. That's why we've been uh, kind of having a companion book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I highly suggest it. Pick it up. He's kind of helping us as our guide as we go through this series. But we're going to start drilling down here today and in the next coming weeks what the pace of Jesus actually looks like. Because there's tension for us. How do we do this in the 21st century? How do we slow our lives down to a pace that is not just doable, but is actually life-giving and kingdom-producing? And I think this is so important to understand. And listen, Jesus, sometimes we think, well, it's the 21st century, and Jesus didn't have to deal with all this stuff. <laughs> listen, humans have always been humans. Humans have always found ways to waste their time. Humans have always found ways to be lazy. Humans have always found ways to be sinful with what they do. It just is. That's why we need Jesus. Listen, but Jesus, if you, here's your homework, right? We're going to read this today, but here's your homework. See, you didn't know there's going to be homework. Right? Holy Spirit moves, you get homework. Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. That's your homework for this week. Matthew chapter 9. I want you to read through that because in there you will see that Jesus was not just laying around. In fact, he, he, did, he, he was moving and doing all kinds of things that, would, that he planned on doing, but then he would get interrupted. In Matthew 9, he's arguing with a bunch of John's disciples about why they don't fast. And they're having a theological discussion. And just as they have that discussion, a, a leader of a synagogue comes up to Jesus and kneels at his feet and says, I need your help. My child is sick and needs to be well. Can you come heal her? And then he goes and on his way to go heal this little girl, a, a, a woman in the crowd around him suddenly touches the hem of his garment. And she's been suffering from a blood disease for 12 years. And Jesus stops and prays for her and, and speaks to her. And then they finally get to the place where the, this uh, this little girl needs to be healed and, and, they, and, they, and they go in there and they do that, but when they, as soon as they leave, a demon-possessed man comes up. Actually, that's not true. Two blind guys come up and then after that, a demon-possessed guy. Listen, Jesus was busy. Here's the point. Jesus was busy. So don't hear the idea of this series as you just gotta lay around more. I agree that you guys need to learn how to rest more. I agree that I need to learn how to Sabbath better. I agree with that. But Sabbath is six and one, six and one, six and one, six and one. Not three and two or, sorry, that only adds up to five. Not three and four. (laughs) Not three and four. (laughs) Not five and two. Here's the truth. What we, here's, when we live our lives, what we call distractions, Jesus calls opportunities. Yeah. 
what we call interruptions, Jesus calls openings for miraculous possibilities. And I just think we're not open to see it that way. Now this is our, this is our primary verse. I'm just gonna talk about this for a couple moments. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This verse is packed with meaning but here's what you gotta know. To begin with, Jesus was a rabbi which simply means teacher. It's Hebrew for teacher. Yes, he was also the Messiah but he was a rabbi and he functioned with a couple of things. He had two things that he, that he carried as a rabbi. One was Jesus had a yoke, a yoke, not a literal yoke. He was a teacher, not a farmer, if you know what a yoke is. Some of you are here in the room, and you don't even know what a yoke is because you've never been around anything that's agricultural. Um, look it up on your phone. <laughs> you can look, up, look it up on your phone. It, a yoke was a common idiom in the first century of a rabbi's way. Now listen, a rabbi's way of reading the Torah reading the scripture, but it was also more. It was, it was the set of teachings on how to live, on how to be human. A set of teachings. Every rabbi had them. He, 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 he taught about how to live this life in a way that you could carry it and not be crushed. The weight of life, marriage, divorce, prayer, money, sex, conflict resolution, government, all of it. Jesus taught on these things. And he had a way of thinking about it, a way of looking at it, and each rabbi did. And it's an odd image for us who didn't grow up in an agrarian society, but he, he used this idea of a yoke, right? And, and that was a pretty common language for that day. And in, in first century Jewish time, Everybody would have seen it in their minds. Here's a yoke, and there's a strong ox, and there's a, there's a younger, weaker ox. And that's how they trained oxen. They trained them, they put them together, and then they plowed the field. And always a strong one and a young one, an old one and a young one, and they pulled and they plowed together. Everybody would have seen, everybody knew that, so saying that a rabbi had a yoke makes sense to them. But the second thing that Jesus had was apprentices. Everybody say apprentices. Say it one more time. Apprentices. The Hebrew word is talmudim, which actually translates disciples in most of your Bibles. But maybe an even better word to capture the meaning or the idea of what it means to follow Jesus is apprentice. I want to introduce the word to you today, and I, I, we're going we're gonna to use it all the way through the, the series as we keep going. But to apprentice under Jesus was a pretty powerful thing. You know, Peter, James, and John, and all the rest of the disciples, these guys were not first in their class in rabbi school. You know, and everybody kind of went through a certain series of, of teachings and trainings and memorization of the Old Testament of the Torah, and, and everybody did that in that day, and then the really good ones got to go on to maybe become a rabbi. None of these guys, none of these guys had great grades, and yet Jesus chose them 
fishermen, tax collectors, these guys followed Jesus. And to apprentice under Jesus was to organize your life around three basic goals. And I want you to see what these are. Three basic goals. Number one, be with Jesus. Be with him. Go where he goes. Be in proximity to him. See what he's doing. Participate with him. Be close enough to know what, what's happening. Be with Jesus. The second is become like Jesus. You're not only with him, you're expected to begin to conform your habits and patterns in your life to his patterns in his life. And so you become like Jesus. And then the third is to actually do what Jesus did. To do what Jesus did. The whole point of apprenticeship, the whole point of following Jesus was to take on his characteristics and to follow him to, to have a way in which, and, and this is the, the point of Jesus' scripture that where he's reading, he's, he's uh, highlighting this idea of an easy yoke. The easy yoke. Yoke sounds like hard work. It doesn't make any sense. But see, Jesus had a way of carrying life. He had a way of thinking about life. He had a way of approaching life. He had a way of building margin into his life that he could take the interruptions and see them as kingdom opportunities. He had a way of functioning that he wasn't too moved by what went on around him. He would just always go to the next thing, not too rattled, not too worried. And I'm not saying he was never tired. I think he was tired. But the thing that Jesus knew the thing that we don't understand is how to replenish ourselves. How do we replenish when we're tired? Most of us choose the wrong things to replenish. Most of us choose a good Netflix binge. I ain't got nothing against that. In its time, in its opportunity, I'm, I'm all about it. I just watched this. I'm not going to go there. I don't have time. But I'm no stranger to Netflix binging, but that's not what actually replenishes me spiritually or replenishes my tired bones. So often, many of us, we gravitate to things to replenish ourselves that aren't good for us. It's not just some sometimes innocuous things. It's actually, sometimes it can be good things and just too many good things and not the right things, not the best things, right? But sometimes it becomes really bad things. Alcohol. You end up drinking too much to medicate a little bit so you can feel just a little bit better. We, we end up choosing drugs or we end up choosing um intimate relationships that are wrong. We end up choosing pornography or something that we're, we're actually trying to medicate ourselves. But the replenishing that we need, Jesus has. Jesus 
teaches how to do it. And there's a way that Jesus lives, a way that Jesus lives that he wants you to live as well. I want you to hear this, 1 John 2, 4 through 6. 1 John 2, 4 through 6, it says, it says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Oh, this is John being nice and pastoral. If you say you know him, but you don't do what he says, you're lying, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly, check this out, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Verse six, check it out. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You guys read that. Read that out loud. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Live like Jesus? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know, I don't know if I can live like Jesus. Are you living your life like Jesus did? As it hangs in the air, I could hear the internal wheels running. Sure, we want to end up in heaven. Sure, we, we want God to work in our lives. But actually, to see our lives take on the patterns of Jesus, like, like to be like Jesus, I mean, he was Jesus. He was the son of God. He was the Messiah that was predicted, that was prophesied. See, it's one thing to talk about God. It's one thing to know the scripture. It's one thing to be a Christian, go to church, do all that. But to live like Jesus, can I actually? Most of, you in the, most of you in the room don't think you can actually live like Jesus, and that's the problem. But you can. You can, and I'm not talking about being perfect. Jesus already took care of the imperfections. He, see, so, so you, got a, you got a surefire, instantaneous way to deal with imperfections. Pastor David mentioned it last week. Forgiveness, instantaneous response to repentance. It's immediate. It's immediate gratification. It's immediate what God does. Unfortunately, everything else in the Bible is process. Jesus, Jesus can deal with your imperfection, with your mistakes, with your failures, with your sins. He could, he's already dealt with that. So now, what you and I have to decide to, are we gonna be apprentices of Jesus? Are we going to be with him every day? Are we going to become like him in an intentional, systematic way? You understand that's why we do missions trips. You understand that's why we're do, building a house with Community First. That's what, you understand that's why we're doing outreach. We're trying to make sure that who we are as a church is systematically interested in doing what Jesus did. Consistently as part of our lifestyle. It's just part of who we are. Right now, it feels a little bit clunky because we've had two years of isolation and leaning back. Uh, uh, I don't think I can go. Okay, you can. It's time to turn the corner. It's time to turn the page. It's time to realize that so many of the things that have gotten us out of whack, off kilter, are things that are keeping us from following Jesus closely. 
closely. I'll read this final passage uh, or this uh, quote and then one, one final thing that I want to leave you with. It's from Dallas Willard who we've already quoted today but here's what he said. He said, in this, in the, in this truth, he's talking about the secret of the easy yoke. He says, in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. It's a strategy that's bound to fail. What he's saying here is very simple and yet incredibly profound. If you want to experience the life of Jesus... If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you simply have to adopt his lifestyle. In our American culture, we kind of want the life of Jesus. Everything he's got, everything he wants to give us, everything, all that great life, life and life more abundantly. Life to the full. Yes, we see it, we want it. When Jesus says, if, you, if you're having a hard time, if you're weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. We say, yes, but the only way you get it, the only way you get it is if you adopt his lifestyle the lifestyle of Jesus what are you talking about Pastor Ross do I have to wear like a robe and stuff and that's weird no I'm ta- what, is the, what is the way of Jesus' life see if I, ha- I had an had a, had a awesome message prepared for you and I was going to talk about it for a really long time and then I was going like, to really want you to for me to tell you the three steps to the lifestyle of Jesus. I can't do it. Not because it's not written there, but because it doesn't exist. It doesn't, it's not three easy steps. It's not four keys to the lifestyle of Jesus. Five principles for living an awesome life like Jesus. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist it has to get into you a little bit at a time because the, the way that Jesus works is completely relational and we want to turn it into something rational. It's all relational. You can't get his way of life without being with him. You can't become like him without being with him. You can't do what Jesus did unless you see what he's done. And you're there to experience it. This is what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. And I'm telling you, one chapel, I got work to do. You got work to do. We have work to do to surrender to that way of life. But that's what we're going to talk about the rest of this series. How do you do that? Where can we look? How can we understand what Jesus is saying to us as we read through the scriptures. The rest of this year, we're gonna spend a considerable amount of time talking about apprenticing with Jesus. And I want you to get that in your soul. I want you to pray about it. I want you to think deeply about it. And it means what we talked about last week, you gotta limit, right? You gotta limit your options you can't live without understanding that you are, you are guided by limitations. You can't, you can't do it all. You've got to decide to accept the life of Jesus 
by saying no to a whole bunch of other things. In order to say no to a whole bunch of, you have to have, you have, to have a huge yes to be able to say a thousand no's. And that's what you and I are challenged with. How do we do that? Let's talk about it. Let's share together. Let's pray about it in our living rooms this week. Let's wrestle this idea to the ground in 2022. And let's, a year from now, look back and say, God, what did you do? You ruined us. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I want to be ruined. I want to be surrendered. I know you do too, or you wouldn't be sitting here on a Sunday morning. And so I want us to chase that down and I want us to do it a little bit at a time. So I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. Worship team, why don't you guys come on up? I didn't make the 15 minutes, by the way. And I'm just gonna pray over you here at the the end. But I wanna pray specifically. Because there are two people in the room Two kinds of people in the room. One kind is a person that has, um, you've just never heard Jesus talked about this way. What happened in that worship service, you're just not used to that. Like that, that's just something kind of foreign to you, but it's oddly attractive to you. And it's just like this connection. You're like, I gotta, I gotta know what's going on here. I wanna, I wanna know the life of Jesus like you're describing. And if that's you, I want you just right here without any hesitation. If that's you, it's like, I don't don't think I've never lived that kind of life, but I want to. And right here with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, you just shoot your hand up in the air and say, yep, that's me. That's me. Yep, I see you. I see you. Great decision. Who else? Just shoot it up. Shoot up. Like, yes, I gotta have this. So good. Yep, I see you. I see you back here. That's so good. The second type of person is a, you're, you're a Christian. But man, you've been distracted. And you haven't seen those distractions as opportunities. They've been, they bombarded your life. The interruptions, the fears and the anxieties have kind of taken over and This is your moment to say, okay, I'm changing. I'm coming back to what I know. I'm coming back to what I believe. And And if that's you, I want you to do the same thing. Just raise your hand just real quick. Just up, yep, yep. Almost, just almost everybody in this section a whole bunch of people on every each side. This is who we are called to be. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the end of this time together, we know that one decision can really change the trajectory of our lives. And so I pray for every person who's making a decision today to follow you more closely, to adopt not just the life of Jesus, but the lifestyle of Jesus, the way we manage our lives, the way we organize and structure our lives. Lord Jesus, we want that. And that decision, I pray that you would 
just move us forward, just draw us forward towards you, Jesus. And that you would clear the way in our lives. And we know the enemy will want to come and hit us and punch us in the gut and, and, and cause fear and anxiety to reemerge. But Lord, we choose today to decide to be with you. To decide to co- become like you. We choose to do what you did. And we ask you, we ask you to make that possible. <laughs> make that possible. Because you're the only one who can. In and of ourselves, we cannot. But a decision to follow you can change everything about where we're headed. And so we choose today to follow you. And we thank you for your forgiveness and we thank you for your healing and we thank you for getting rid of our wounded yesterdays and our, our struggle. We thank you for taking care of those things so that we can look forward instead of backwards. Help us to be your apprentices and learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen.